Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, everybody. Um, it is Mikey Likes You. And it's a special edition because it is a home edition. This is the first time I'm doing it on my phone. Uh, not ideal, but hey, got to do what you got to do when Corona hits. And I don't want to tell you how to deal with Corona. I don't want to tell you what's going on with the disease or how to deal with it fucking medically. Um, I just want to say that you can take this situation and deal with it positively. What I mean by that is I know a lot of you listening to this are out of work because of coronavirus, and that's fucking terrible. My heart sincerely goes out to you. This country is not forgiving when it comes to finance, and um, a free market is a great thing, but it ain't it ain't forgiving. And so when you are literally made incapable of going to work, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just so heartbreaking. And a lot of people are going to be hurting because of that. And I, I am aware of that and I'm sympathetic and I, I really, my heart goes out to you. But let us now examine some of the good things that can come from this. And I'm not trying to be overly Pollyannish about it, but I'm just trying to give you some kind of spirit boost because unlike a lot of people out there, especially in the fucking health and fitness world, I'm not qualified to tell you how to deal with coronavirus itself. I don't frankly know shit about it. I'm just following orders, you know, staying home, washing my hands, all that shit. But, you know, I was thinking, it's like this is going to give me just a, a hyper amount of time to spend with my wife and my daughter and it's going to be really annoying at times but for the most part that's a beautiful thing it's going to force me to really analyze how i fit into this world socially it's so easy to get to kind of let that fall away because we all work hard and we want to be good partners and good parents and you have so much on your plate it's really easy to lose sight of the fact that we, we we do play a role. I don't subscribe to the idea that we're just these nameless cogs in a wheel and we're insignificant parts of this massive system. No, no, no. We, we all have a role here on this planet and we all help out and we all are one living, breathing thing. I'm big time into team human. You know, I'm team earth. That's how I feel. And... I lose sight of that a lot, and I'm sure a lot of you do too, because like I said, I'm working, I'm trying to figure out how to put food on the table, I'm trying to figure out how to not be a shithead husband, I'm trying to figure out how to be a really good dad, and all of that consumes my attention and my my, my kind of intellectual capacity. I lose sight of the fact that, like, what am I doing to be a good global citizen? Well, now I really have to look at that, and I think we all we all do, and that's a good thing. And I'm really, really going to appreciate going to the Dodger game when this is all over. And I mean it. I'm not going to take things for granted. I'm really going to appreciate going to visit my parents. I'm really going to appreciate going to dinner with friends and going to a concert. I took so much of that for granted, man. And this is going to help me. And... um you know, my grandma, she's 93. If I hope by the grace of God, I hate to even say it, but, you know, I hope she's alive 
when this is all over because I'm really going to appreciate talking to her because it's been taken away. I'm going to really appreciate training right now. That, that was my most accountable, my most um, steady form of positive coping was was getting a good sweat on boxing, Muay Thai, lifting weights. That, that was my shit. And I've had that taken away. Not a big deal, really. Pretty insignificant in the grand scheme of things. But when I get back to it, it's going to mean a lot more. And I'm really going to value all those things. So I, I look at that and I think, hey, you know, there's going to be some upside. There's going to be some upside. Um, I, I lived in New Jersey during 9-11. And uh, I would constantly go up into New York City after after 9-11, which was easily the worst tragedy of my lifetime. Um, and although I, I certainly don't wish 9-11 happened, one, of, one thing I can report is New York City was fucking magical at the end of the year in 2001. People hugging for no reason. Everybody was nice to each other on the subway. On the subway, people were nice to each other. People just high-fiving and hugging cops and firemen, leaving little trinkets and flowers at, at Ground Zero. It just seemed like when we were faced with real, real evil, it brought out the best. And we were so lucky here in America um, to be relatively safe in comparison to the rest of the world, in comparison to the rest of human history. Obviously, there's very dangerous neighborhoods, but... We're safe here. We don't. We're not living in Syria or, or you know the Sudan or something. You know, and I, when we were faced with that extreme level of evil, it, it really brought out the best in people. And I'm hoping coronavirus might do the same. You know, we we might see a boost in us treating each other with a little bit more respect and and understanding that we're all, we're, dude, we're all in this game together, right? This has been given to us with great clarity. We're all on the same team. All this fucking divisive, pro-Trump, MAGA, uh, super liberal, woke, snowflake, um, you know, punch a Nazi, all that rhetoric. Take a step back now that we're all on lockdown. We're all on the same team. We all pretty much have the same problems to deal with and the same ideals. And I just wish we would recognize that a little more and hopefully you know coronavirus might might do that you know um so again not to be too purely optimistic because i think that that can be actually annoying if you're listening to this and you're like i'm out of work i don't know what i do i i I don't have money for child child care and my daughter's or my son's home from school for fucking 40 days i get it i'm not trying to paint a a distorted picture of what's going on this sucks and again my heart really goes out to you people out there who are struggling. I am in a place where it's like, I'm not happy and I'm hurting, but at least my wife and I, you know, working in the entertainment industry are not in a place where it's like, what are we going to do without work for the next 40 days, 50 days, so however long it lasts. And I, I don't take that for granted, man, because I used to be, I only had manual labor jobs till I got into radio. And for the first, first three or four years of radio, it was more low paying than most of my manual labor jobs. So, I mean, I get, I, I've been on the other side of that, you know, um, but I didn't have kids at the time and it was different. And so I know when, when you're, when you absolutely, you're, you've been pushed against the wall 
like this financially. It's not, it's not something to overlook. I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of people uh, in the government, this isn't a political statement because this is not partisan. I, I think that it's a equally as much a Democrat problem as it is a Republican problem that they don't analyze the reality of most Americans. They only bump elbows with other politicians and celebrities and big donors and things like that. And they lose sight of the fact that, oh, no, no, that's not how humans in this fucking country live. Um, so, you know, I, I do recognize that. And I and I and my my heart goes out to you. All right. Let me get a, I'm done with my sob story and stuff like that, because, like I said, I, this is kind of like a haphazard put, uh, construction of a podcast because. I don't have access to a studio, so I'm giving this a shot. I didn't want to just give up on the idea of doing the podcast. I, I'm uh, doing this on my phone. Hopefully, the sound quality will be tolerable. Um, and if you notice, there's a dramatic difference in this sound quality with the rest of the podcast. That's because of the rest of the podcast, the the interview that I did with my man, David Nurse, and, um, and a little bit of an intro, um, that was done in a studio. This is done on my phone. I honestly, I'll work on it. I'll get better. Maybe I'll even get a little bit more home studio equipment. We'll see. But I'm gonna, I'm not giving up on this. I love this podcast. I believe in it, and so uh, I ain't stopping. If anything, I'm doubling down. Um, so here we go. Let's get back into the kind of the main chunk of the podcast. I love you guys. I hope you enjoy. Please enjoy my uh, my info from my friend Mike Mahler and my interview with David Nurse. Good afternoon. Or morning. Or evening. It's Mikey Likes You. I am your host, Michael Catherwood. Oh, I'm getting the uh, Bono. The Bono uh, bracelet hit. So what's up, everyone? I am Michael Catherwood, as you very well may know. And this is Mikey Likes You, um, the greatest health and fitness podcast in the world. I base that on nothing but my own uh, ego. Um, thank you for tuning in. Everyone who is new to this, welcome. I uh, really believe in this podcast. I want to create a health and fitness podcast that everyone can get something out of. Um, far too often people are really interested in the idea of bettering their life physically, emotionally, intellectually, but they're scared. They're scared off by what they perceive to be the culture of uh, physical fitness and even mental health. Um, but there shouldn't be any taboo because uh, things have gr- uh, dramatically changed. And the people that you see on Instagram, those are not the people who are a part of this quote-unquote culture. The culture is for you. Man bun dudes and ripped abs on the uh, Instagram dude and big booty chick squatting in a thong chick. That's not, that's not what this is about. This is about being a better you. Don't compare yourself to someone else. Don't try to be someone else. Don't try to be the best. Try to be the best you. And all of us are guilty of not being our best selves. Um, You know, I'm trying. 
And I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. I've tried every single diet and every single goddamn uh, mental health, self-help bullshit seminar. Some of it's some of it's been great. I've learned a lot. I've tried every training program. I am in recovery. I've tried every drug. Ugh, I just burped. And um, I've gotten to a point at age 40 where I feel really confident uh, in my ability to tell you don't do like I did. Do as I say, not as I do, um, because uh, I've been around the block when it comes to this stuff. And now I've gotten to a point where I re- really feel comfortable waking up in the morning and putting in the effort to become the best Mike. And uh, I don't often succeed, but I don't often fail. You know, I've, I found a nice little comfort zone. Um, I guess that's a bad term. I found a nice place where I really have for once in my life gotten to the point where I'm not so ashamed to look at myself in the mirror. And uh, I built a pretty darn good physique and a pretty darn good a bit of uh, performance, if I do say so myself. And I don't want to say that as like a as like an arrogance thing or patting myself on the back. I'm saying that because uh, I'm not just handing out information for the sake of it. I'm not handing out information just to make myself feel better. I'm doing this because I genuinely care because I know how frustrating and discouraging it can be to go out there and put in the effort and and the time and not get the results that you want, both uh, emotionally, intellectually, and of course, physically. So uh, that was my main inspiration for doing this podcast. And this is why we are here. Um, For those of you who are not new to the podcast, you may well know that I am about now three weeks into my 30-day trial of the carnivore diet. The carnivore diet is something that is based on eating nothing but meat. You are purely a carnivore. No plant matter, no nuts, no seeds, no nothing. I eat meat. And um, actually now it has gotten – I've gotten over all the negatives. Um, The diarrhea (laughs) has gone away. That's a real thing. Um, I'm now taking solid regular poopies. And also I'm getting a lot of mental clarity and a a real, real genuine energy boost out of it. Um, My mental clarity is through the roof. That is one thing that I can definitely notice uh, this far. And I've made the shift, I think, to preferring fats as my energy source because I'm not dragging as much as I was, say, for the first 10 days. Um, so that is uh, that is the update on the carnivore diet. Again, I do not claim this to be the, the right way to eat or the wrong way to eat. I'm just doing an experiment. I thought I'd use myself as a lab rat because, um, you know, I've had a lot of experience with veganism, vegetarianism, keto di- ketogenic diets, paleo diets. I've done it all. I'd never done the carnivore diet, and it's very, very popular right now, and it's in the news a lot. So I thought, hey, if I'm going to talk about something, I might as well be able to talk about it with some level of experience. And, you know, if I'm not going to have any expertise or research, I might as well have some experience, some anecdotal stuff to go with it. So that is that. Uh, Something that I, a little message I wanted to pass along to you. This came from my friend, a man that I respect greatly in the world of health and fitness. His name is Mike Mahler, M-A-H-L-E-R. Mike Mahler is probably the greatest vegan strength athlete that I know of. Um, I'm sure there's others. I know that there's even professional strongmen, world record holders and stuff like that. But I personally know Mike, and he is a 
monster. I mean, hugely strong, incredibly, incredibly impressive performance levels. And he's really well built and he's a really, really smart, nice guy. But he's also he's he's been a longtime vegan. And I've gleaned a lot of great information from Mike. Um, He's he's also, in my opinion, one of the foremost authorities when it comes to hormone optimization, uh, healthy, legal, natural hormone optimization. (laughs) You know, so, you know, obviously it's very easy to optimize hormones when you're taking hormones uh, that are prescribed to you. Um, but he, he's a man who really has understand, who, who has uh, gained an understanding of how to do it naturally. And he posted something uh, on his weekly email blast called the eight hormone optimization tips you can start using today. And I went over them and um, they're really, really good. So I thought I'd pass them along to you. Um, Number one, keep training sessions under an hour. And you may say, well, that doesn't sound all that important. Well, it is. Um, There's this misconception that intense training increases testosterone and growth hormone. Not true. Um, In fact, it's the opposite. Intense training can actually decrease them. It can have a heart. It can create um, actually rather detrimental effects to your growth hormone and your testosterone. What intense training does is it increases your ability to essentially make use of growth hormone and, um, and testosterone. Uh, many believe that training increases the production of it. That is, that's simply not true. It increases your utilization of said hormones. So if you can keep things short and intense – when you're training intensely, um, it actually has a much, much bigger boost and a much greater effect positively on your hormones. So keep keep training sessions, um, not including warm-ups and stretching and things like that, to about to about 45 minutes. That's my recommendation. And I and you know there's some science to back that up. Number two, insulin sensitivity is crucial for hormone optimization, as insulin is a master control hormone. And when it is not working, it has a negative impact on sex hormones as well as growth hormone production. Um, a lot gets made about like insulin and insulin sensitivity because, you know, the carnivore diet and the ketogenic diet are so uh, – they're so popular now. And although I don't think that they are the end-all be-all when it comes to body composition, you know, meaning your, your weight and how like ripped you are, um, a lot of people – seem to make more out of that than than is reality. I mean, there's people that claim that if you're spiking insulin and blood sugar at all, you're not going to be able to lose weight. And that's simply not true. It really is does come down to calories in, calories out. But when it comes to hormones, um, insulin sensitivity and management of your insulin and blood sugar is very, very important. So um, I, the best thing I can recommend, and this goes for you unless you are a competitive athlete, okay? So if you compete – you are a competitive athlete. I, I, I don't necessarily recommend this. But if you are just an average Joe like myself who wants to be in better shape and be in better health, stretch out the spaces in between when you eat. Four to six hours is a lot better than these constant frequent eatings. It just doesn't do much for your uh, hormone profile. Um, it, it is kind of throwing your balance out of whack when it comes to your blood sugar. The best thing you can do is really space out your eating. And then your your final meal um, give it a good, I don't know, 12 hours before you uh, have your your next meal the next day. So if you have your dinner at 8 o'clock uh, p.m., have your breakfast at no sooner than 8 a.m. Give yourself a nice 12-hour break. 
you can go as high as 20 if you're a male and um, I wouldn't go any higher than 14 if you're a woman. Um, but then throughout the day, spread out your meals a, a little bit more uh, a little bit more drastically than I think we're accustomed to. There was so much made in the 90s and the early 2000s about eat every three hours, keep your metabolism humming. That's actually really, really, really not true. That's super bullshit, bullshit. Um, really, it's better to space them out, you know, four to six, four to six hours. That's a, that's a good recommendation. And then number three is, um, start each morning with a lime and sea salt drink, squeeze one lime in 12 ounces of distilled or filtered water and add a quarter teaspoon of Himalayan sea salt. Um, there's a lot of science that shows that like this can help. I have to be honest. I don't know anything about this. I've never tried it, but, uh, Mike Mahler is certainly someone to trust. So, Hey, give it a shot. Number four, avoid alcohol consumption. Look, there's not much we need to say here. I think every man and woman who works hard and you can control your drinking, go for it. But let's not kid ourselves. Alcohol is poison. It is poison to every single cell of the human system. So I'm not trying to be guy who is sober telling you how to live your life. I totally think that, like I said, we work hard. We have kids. We do what, and we have lots of stuff that just bugs us and gets on our case. It's so nice to crack a beer or have a glass of wine and kick back and do it. But if you're going to do it, understand that you're doing something harmful to your body and do it reasonably. Don't continually saturate your system with alcohol for for a myriad of reasons. Obviously, I'm not going to get into the the emotional and intellectual effects that uh, alcohol can have on you, but um. You know, obviously the social effects, you know, sometimes you can turns you into an asshole. But uh, what I'm talking about here is simply the health problems. And this look, it has a super bad effect on your hormone profile. So avoid alcohol consumption at all costs. And if you can, don't drink at all. Um, But I'm not saying I'm not someone who is sober that says that that's the way to live your life. If you can control your drinking, go for it. You, You everyone deserves that. And frankly, my hat's off to you. Uh, improve digestion and gut health. Um, it's one of the more overlooked aspects of health. Um, I'm I'm guilty of it because I look. I really just monitor my macros and make sure that I get a lot of micronutrients through my diet. And outside of that, I just stop thinking about stuff. You know, so I'll have things like artificial sweeteners or or um, uh, I can't think of it. Oh, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nicotine user. Um, and, and I know that some of these things can have a negative effect on your digestion, and that does have an impact on your hormones. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult to regulate that, but uh, I'm much more of a guy who believes in clean eating, avoiding things that are going to disrupt your gut as opposed to finding things to put in your body that can help you. I, I know there's a lot of people out there who are touting the amazing benefits of probiotics. I'm not there yet. I haven't seen a lot of compelling evidence that that's a good thing to do. What I do believe is that you should continually put in things into the human system that are chemically appropriate, and that in turn will, in a, in a prolonged way, help your your gut health. Um, let's see here. Add spices to all your meals to transform them into super meals. If you consume smoothies, try adding cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, or pumpkin pie spice for cooked meals. Try oregano, basil, turmeric, garlic thyme, paprika, and cayenne. Number seven, to mitigate estrogen dominance, drink several cups of green tea daily, cook with turmeric, and consume several servings of cruciferous vegetables. Um, That last one is really, really important. Uh, If you're going to consume vegetables, do it 
wisely choose the cruciferous ones, the uh, cauliflower, the broccoli, cabbage. Um, these are things that are going to have a positive effect on your hormone profile. They really do uh, mitigate some of the estrogen dominance that we see not only in men, but in women too. And number eight, finally, if you wake up with low energy and then have high energy late at night, you have an imbalanced cortisol curve and need to flip it. Uh, Cortisol is one of the most misunderstood hormones. It is one of the most misunderstood aspects of the body, and it is caused by stress. There are supplements out there to help reduce or regulate cortisol. I wouldn't go there first. I would look to a good night's sleep all the time. Make sure you're consistently getting eight hours of sleep that will transform your ability to adhere to a diet and your hormone profile in general so much. Trust me, it's more than you even can can assume. But another thing, meditation. I know it's not easy. Commit to it. Start off five minutes twice a day. Nothing major. See if you can build. Check out Ziva Meditation. It's the one that I recommend. Meditation works wonders. I know it's hippie shit, but believe me, I've been through it. I've been through the ringer. It's one of those things that once I committed to it, it made a dramatic difference in my life in so many ways. So there you go. I can't recommend uh, Mike Mahler enough, M-A-H-L-E-R. He has a lot of great information, especially for you vegan athletes out there. And those are his eight tips for regulating your hormones in a beneficial way. Booyah. Oh, man. Welcome, everybody, a man who uh, at a very, very young age has achieved something tremendous. He is a optimization coach. He is a motivational speaker, and he has taken on the uh, incredible responsibility of performance enhancement for what could easily be considered the greatest athletes on the planet, and that is the athletes in the NBA. He is a former professional basketball player himself. He actually has... Guinness World Records in shooting three-pointers so Steph Curry can suck it. Uh, He is a friend of mine, and also he is the man behind the soon-to-be-changed-to-pivot-and-go podcast. Right now it is known as the 1% Podcast. His book is coming out in June. Pivot and Go is actually available on Amazon for pre-sale right now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome David Nurse. Yeah, man, you got to be my agent. That was beautiful. I try my best. That's actually, that was a real crowd of people, too. That wasn't just me clapping. It was. Guys, guys, (laughs) calm down a little bit. Calm down a little bit. Thank you. I, uh... I, uh, I outsource them. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for doing this. Are you kidding me? First of all, I'd do anything for you. Second of all, this it. will be a ton of fun. Absolutely. I think so. I think so. And, and well, first off, I like I've always been fascinated by you. Let me make sure I can sound good here. There we go. Um, I've always been fascinated by you because you're someone who's achieved something that is really, really intimidating. It would be intimidating for someone who's in their 50s, the idea of talking to the what, yeah. arguably the greatest athletes in the world and yeah. talking to them about optimizing their performance. That would be really intimidating to a grown-ass man who's who's been around the block. You're a very young guy. Thanks, how did you deal with – first off, how did you even get to the point where, yeah. where the NBA would trust you to do that? Secondly, how did you deal personally with what would probably be, I would imagine – 
a great level of intimidation standing in front of those athletes and trying to talk to them about how to live their life. Man, great questions. Okay. I'll give you the quick version of my story. I, I grew up, everything that I was doing was pouring into playing in the NBA. I was convinced I was going to play in the NBA. So as you're looking at me across this table, I'm 6'2", and, and I'm not very athletic. I never really – never dunked a basketball, to be honest. So the NBA goals was a little bit out of my reach. I got to play overseas professionally. You, you would have been awesome in, like, 1940. Oh, my yeah, gosh. You would have dominated. I, yeah. I, I really wanted to wear the short shorts back then, too. I mean, it just didn't work. But so I played overseas in Australia, Greece, and Spain, and it sounds cooler than it is. It's more like the league I was in was like the Will Ferrell semi-pro league where they're more concerned about drinking beers at halftime than they are actually getting better at basketball. And here I am putting in all this extra work, this film study, two-a-days. Like I'm putting everything I can to be the best version of myself that I can be. And then I get cut from this team, this team in northern Basque region of Spain, second division. And not only am I so far away from my NBA goals, this joke of a team, joke of a league, turns it all upside down on my head. And there I am left with, okay, my NBA goals and dreams way out the window. But what I realized through all this time, and it took me a little while, but what I realized through all this time of pouring into myself, developing myself, trying to optimize myself, like I was much better suited for coaching and teaching this to others than I was actually for myself. So what I thought was my road and my path turned to be something completely different, but so much better than I imagined. Right. And that's where the whole pivot and go comes into play what 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 age are you when that happens 24 24 so at 24 i mean i can't i i was like 25 when i realistically thought like i'm a man now yeah i know legally people say it's 18 yeah. <laughs> but I, I can recall the time when i was like i was like 25 and i was i was thinking to myself like oh i'm i'm a man yeah i can i can stand up for myself and not in the literal way like pick a fight what i meant was like I can stand on my own two feet and really represent myself in the world and feel confident in doing it. Sure. But at 24, if I got if I was playing professional sports in Europe and I got cut, there would be at least a, at least some some period of woe is me, how am I going to put my life back together type shit because I don't know I don't know what your your experience was prior to playing basketball overseas. But for me, like I never I didn't have a skill set you know, I wouldn't know what to fall back on. You know, I'm sure your skill set was mostly was, based on playing basketball. That's all it was. Yeah. It's the same thing. That's that's such a good point because it didn't click for me right away. Yeah. I came back and I spent at least five months on my parents' recliner chair in Kansas City just feeling bad for myself. And it sounds kind of cheesy, but the thing that actually sparked me to kick my butt into gear was my mom always likes to say these motivational quotes and she'll say these one-liners and it's just like all right mom come on but she said one that stuck with me I remember she was doing the dishes I was sitting there in the chair and she said David when one door closes two open and I just kind of put it together like yeah really this is what happened one door that I thought was my door the NBA closed but coaching in the NBA is so much better, those two doors. So we all go through those situations. Yeah. I don't think there's any of us out, out here who've just been able to have everything just fall in line directly with us. We have to make these pivots go through these difficult times. And it's not it's not the things that happen to us, but it's how we react to them and how we go forward with them. Yeah. So from there, like that's where it hit me. And, and I, I called every NBA GM, cold call every NBA GM. because like, all right, now this is what I'm going to do. I'm so driven to coach in the NBA. Nobody called me back. So I hand wrote a letter to every NBA GM, physical address, mailed it out. 
one person got back to me. And from that one person, he's become one of my best friends, was in my wedding, and every NBA connection just came from there. And that was the the uh, Brooklyn Nets? It was. So he was the then GM of the Los Angeles Clippers at the time, Gary Sachs. Fuck. Yeah, so then all those connections started to come, and he put me in touch with other people, and that's how it eventually led to the Brooklyn Nets. That's, that's really – an amazing story. I mean, it's it's truly motivational. And I always think about like like um, Gary V talks about how uh, I remember. I'll never forget. I mean, because he he puts out so much content yeah. about like motivational yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember this one in particular. This guy approached him. And they were I think he was coming out of the subway. And this dude approached me. He's like, man, I'm really lost. I'm a young guy. I just don't know what to do. And he's like, well, what do you love? He's like, music. I want to be a producer. And he's like, okay, today you go out and you send emails and letters to every producer you can think of. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's 200 fucking guys. You do, Whoever the guys and gals are that you want to work with, that you look up to, send them a letter right now. It doesn't matter if zero get back. doesn't matter if one or two get back. At least you're in the game. But, like, that's so much easier said than done, you know? <laughs> it, it is. But to that fact, it's, it's, it's so true. Like, if you don't even take that chance, yeah. th- it, might, it might not ever happen. And a lot of people just want to wait for things to be like, okay, it's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to – no, you it's have not. to make them happen. Yeah. You that's to- that's one thing I could say with certainty. Yes. You know, it's not, I certainly don't have it all figured out. But one thing I can say with certainty is like it's not going to come to you. No, definitely. <laughs> it's going to come to you through the connections that you make yeah. eventually, but you have to go out there and make them. Yeah. And, and once – you get you make that contact. Someone you know actually takes a chance on you. You get your foot in the yep. door. Yep. Again, I'm I'm thinking I'm a six foot two white dude <laughs> who failed. You know, no, no. I'm not saying it's a majority, but no, failed true. as playing it's in true. Europe. Now I'm going to walk up to NBA yes. players and tell them here's how you should do shit. That you, I mean, it, that takes tremendous balls. It did my, was there was there a learning curve? I mean, was the first two Man. or three times you went at it like, oh, Mister Sir, I'm sorry, very <laughs> sorry, um, but I, uh, you know, Ab- like, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so I I was blessed with having some friends that I played with went on to play in the NBA, so I would train them, and that kind of got my foot in the door of okay, I know how to do this. But then I get players that I didn't know and players like I'm 25, 26 trying to tell these 32, 30 accomplished NBA players how they can get better. Yeah. Two-time all-stars, you know. <laughs> exactly. I worked with a – there's a story in my book. I worked with Joe Johnson. He's a nine-time all-star. And just real quickly, it was, I was putting him through a workout and I'm a young kid. I'm just out in Brooklyn, just fresh. And I'm putting all my best stuff together like, oh, this is going to blow him away. This is my – like all my fancy stuff. And he went through it all just to the point till the end of it would be like, and said to me, this has no application for my game at all. Yeah. Like he went through the whole thing just to build me up as like, okay, I thought I knew what I was doing, but then he just slapped me in the face with it, which is a great learning lesson. Right. Cause going into it. So a lot of it was me just stepping on the floor, looking at myself and saying, okay, I got to act like I've done this a million times before. Fake it till you make gotta it. You got to fake it. And there's yeah. so much truth to that. It can build a confidence within you. And then you see the success of it working and someone believing in that. Because if you walk into a room and you're like, no one's going to believe you no matter what, even if you're the smartest guy there is. It's weird though, too. It's like in one way you have, you're at a tremendous disadvantage being young because you're easily intimidated and all that. And because you probably don't have as much knowledge, you yeah. know, because you're young. Yeah. Yeah. But in another way, it's such a gift to be young because you're so you're you are so naive 
that you can go into situations <laughs> yeah. that a, that a grown man would be like, okay, let me start thinking of the reasons why this isn't going to work. Yeah. When you're 24, 25, you're just like, fuck it. Yes. Let's give it a shot. What you know, do you I, have to lose. Yeah. I I can totally relate to that. When I got into radio, I got into radio one million percent by accident, wow. and I thought I was going to be the next big rock. What you thought about the NBA was what I thought about being a rock and roll star. I was awesome. like, I was I was convinced when I was 19, I was convinced I was going to be a rock star. So I move back to L.A. when I get sober and everything and I get cleaned up. I'm putting my life back together and I start have to get regular person jobs to pay the bills while I try and build my musical yep. career. So I get a job at K-Rock at like an entry level, you know, like the bottom of the barrel. And I start like pranking the morning show and doing all these wild antics that gets me kind of on on the radar for the morning show. They they interview me to come in and 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 be a part of the show as a producer and, uh, you know, this is the, what could easily be looked at as the largest radio market in the world For because sure. everyone drives in L.A. And uh, this is the Kevin and Bean Morning Show, like 20-something years of a, a, a legacy of dominating in the market. And they're like, we want to hire you as a producer. Do you have ability and knowledge? And I, without hesitation, go, yeah, fuck yeah. I know Pro Tools <laughs> back and forth. I know I had – no yes. ability, zero ability. And I got to be honest, if I did that today at 40, I would have been like, I guys, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I just don't <laughs> yeah. really, yeah. I don't really know anything about production or, you know, but back then it was like, fuck it. What's the worst that can happen? You know, and you just kind of huck it and see what, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And it's like, I really, 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 really wish I could get there now, but it's hard once. It's hard. You know, it's like there's this weird balance of your knowledge and your nobility and your wise, your wise nature of growing older and experiences versus that kind of brash, cocky attitude and naivete of being young. And it's like, yeah, I wish I could meld them, you know? Yeah, that's that's so true because it's almost like you walk into that room when you're young or me onto the basketball court is it's like, what do you have to lose? You know, you have nothing going for you sure. at all. I'm just going to throw all the chips out there. But now we have so much going for us that we've built up. It's like, oh, yeah, can you really make a change? Or if is this opportunity is like, oh, I don't know if I can do that or not. But I think you can mold them together. You can. I, I mean, the, can, and the people yeah. who achieve greatness do that. It's yeah, just, sure. you know, it. I don't know. I, I certainly I don't I haven't figured out that little cheat code, but yeah. you know, some well, one one day. Man, I think yeah. you have. I shoot, you have an amazing voice for radio. You do such a, a great job spoken. I you need to be on TV because you're better looking than your voice is good. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Yes, yes. Well, I my years in adult film have proven that I you know I I'm magic in front of the camera, but you know, for but see like this is a perfect example. It does. It's not really a leap of faith though for yeah. me to do something in broadcasting. Right. I got, right. I've got 21 years of super high-level experience in broadcasting. So for me, this isn't really the, – the, there isn't the chips fall where they may type attitude of doing anything, whether it be hosting a TV show or hosting this yeah. podcast or hosting a radio show. I I, I know I'm good at that. Yeah. That's my, my that's my skill set now. What would – you know, for me to go branch out and start my own company or something – when I was 21, I'd be like, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> What's the worst can happen? You know, now I definitely, I think of everything. I'm like, you know, I'm that proverbial old man now. I, I just overthink shit and I got to figure out a way to kind of poke through it. I know you could do it, 
right now you're putting yourself in this box of saying you're the proverbial old man, so you're thinking that you are. Yeah. So I speak to companies on developing unshakable confidence under pressures. It's what I've done with NBA players, how to get to them to that level. And one of the main things is you have these strengths, you have these skill sets. So your strength is communicating, mm. making people feel very comfortable around you. I've been around you a lot, and it's, it's you're infectious with your energy and positivity. Yeah, that's great. You know it in the broadcasting realm, but it can translate somewhere else. Yeah. Like it could translate into a business. We all have... We all have certain strengths, and too often we're told that we are weaknesses and, and you got to raise up your weaknesses. But really, I mean, that's that's what it's about. It's about having different strengths that we can put together to other people's to build greatness. Because one is way too small of a number to, to have greatness, achieve right. any kind of greatness. We need other people. I wonder how much weaknesses are actual things and how much of those are just what yes. we tell ourselves. Yes. You know, yeah. like, like – Obviously, there's there's certain legitimate things like um, I I I I only have like a thirty something inch vertical leap. That's not gonna. I, that's not a weakness <laughs> yeah, or positive. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's no. I, it's a I, good vertical, by the way. Well, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm I'm actually just throwing out a number. I haven't measured it, but my yeah. point being is like I can never be an Olympic high jumper. I can never be. That's not a weakness. That's just right. reality. Right, okay, right, right. but outside of that, like in like social things and in, in the professional realm, I wonder how much of it is real positives and, uh, you know, pros and cons. And how much of it is just like a story we tell ourselves? Like for, like for instance, my daughter, she's just like, she's five. So she's not good or bad at anything. She's five. Yeah. She's, you know, yeah. she's like this right. little organism just that's just so ripe for everything. But she was telling me, she's like, well, I'm just not a very good singer. And I'm like, well, how do you really, you're just saying that. What do you, what yeah. makes you say that? You actually could be a, a great singer. You know, you're just telling yourself a story. She tells herself, I'm really good at drawing and painting. I'm really bad at singing and dancing. But that's probably not true. That's definitely not true. You know, and I yeah. wonder like how much of that applies to like adults, you know, like. Well, I think a ton of it does. I yeah. mean, think about the person that we speak to the most throughout the day. Yeah. Ourselves, by far. And it's what are we telling ourselves? Are we affirming ourselves or are we saying that there's some flaw in us and that flaw is what defines us? Yeah. And most people like the outside world will tell us we are that flaw. And I do something myself and I have my NBA players and people that I work with is the morning affirmations. Like I've written out like 20 things that – Hey, I'm a great speaker. I'm going to encourage and motivate people. I've got first in my life things that just put me in the in the mindset of like, oh, I, I've got these strengths. Like I can do this. Like, right. I don't have to go into this day thinking that, man, what what's going to happen or I, I can't do these things. Like I think daily affirmations are huge for us. And, and that's daily you write that out. Oh, you know, I, yeah, I, I'll write it out. But I mean, if I had it, I have it all written out in wow. a journal and I'll just look at it every day and say it out loud in the mornings. And one thing I really like that I found very effective and it helps. It's, it's one of my main tools I use with NBA players and, and high performers to build confidence and keep the confidence is you have your hands. You have your hands you can look at every single day. So everybody out there listening, do this visual. You see your hands. You look at your hands. Look at the back of them, the fronts of them, the grooves, the calluses. You see everything that you've been through. Everything that you've done, everything that you accomplished are in those hands. Now you envision the person that you see is the most confident in your life. That person that you think when you think of confidence, they come to your mind, whether okay. it's a parent, a mentor, someone you aspire to be like. Now their hands are your hands. Your hands are their hands. So when you wake up in the morning, you can look at your hands, see your most confident self, see them as the most confident person, and you can be that person. You can go on and attack the day. It's like uh, it's like 
you know, becoming your, your own Tyler Durden, yeah. you know, like that, yeah. that idealized version of yeah. yourself, you yeah. know, it, it, that, that is great advice. And I, and I, I really think that's super meaningful. How do you balance that though? Doing all those things, the positive affirmations, seeing yourself as an idealized version of the, of the, the man or woman you want to be. How do you balance that with like humility though? Yeah. And not make it so that you're just this arrogant yeah, pile of shit. Sure. You know? Good call. So I love that. Great setup question. So with those same hands that you have, now every door that you enter, anytime you go into a different door or in a room, you say the word serve. And I try to do this every time when I walked in here, I said it, have everybody that I work with do it. And that puts you in the mindset of it's not about you. You're going to use those gifts, those tools that you're confident in, that self-confidence, and how you're going to serve the other people around you. Because you can have the who yourself, you can have the 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 where your team, but the what, the potential, like what are you going to do with that? If you just keep it for yourself, I mean that's yeah, that's it's not advantageous at, at all. But no. if you use it to serve others. That's where you keep it, the humility, and that's where you realize, like, even to the point of, like, okay, David, this sounds great. Like, you can get motivated. You can be confident in yourself. Yeah, we're going to go rock the day. Things are going to happen in your life. Like, it's not going to be all joyous all the time. Yeah. And if you look at those situations as pivoting your fears, like dreaded situations you have, like a lot of people out there, they'll dread a meeting. They'll dread a phone call. They'll dread something like that. But if you look at those situations as not just you're trying to eat the frog or keep your head above the water, above water, but you're actually trying to thrive and use those for other people, not yourself, but if you use those for other people to serve, like I'm sure there's a situation, many situations you've been through and you've been able to offer it as advice to other people that are going through the same thing. And it's right. like, man, that, that's, that makes so much sense. And yeah, that, that's what recovery is really yeah, built around. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't want to say like that there's only one way to do it. There's a m- million ways to skin a cat. But le- at least for me and like with the 12 steps, that's that's all of it is like me potentially helping another guy who's struggling with addiction. I that in turn helps my recovery for so sure. much more for so sure. than anything else I could do. You know, it, it's sure. like this this kind of um this kind of symbiotic relationship to the giver, the receiver and back and forth, you know, but it's, it's really difficult. Like, because I I think like in today's day and age, it might've been, it might've been different, you know, and this is speculation. It might've been different in 50 years ago, but in today's day and age where we're all working so much and we're just trying to, to keep, literally keep our head above water, not like uh, not like with the, yeah. the things that you were saying where, where we're you know dreading right. something. Right. I mean, like financially, we're all just like struggling to get by, and we're working more hours than we've ever worked, and we're you know, the, the the notion of keeping up with the Joneses has never been stronger because of the internet and social media yeah. and things like that. It's so hard to kind of take a step back and think about like, well, what can I give? Because yeah. right now I feel like everyone's taking anyway, you know, like <laughs> yeah. everyone's taking yeah. from me yeah, emotionally, yeah, yeah. psychologically, intellectually, yeah. financially. So it's like it's so hard to kind it of is. put yourself in the mind frame of like, well, what can I give out as opposed to like, how can I the famine mentality of yeah. the pieces of you that get taken away? You know, man, that's such that's such a good point, And it's so hard. But the thing that I found the most is, is even in struggling times, I've been through struggling times growing up, everything and. Any, anytime you're in that, if you can go into that mode of just thinking, 
how can I use this to serve somebody else? Or I will get through this. Like this will only make me stronger going through this. It's it. You're going to eventually get through it. Yeah. But if you, if you try to take and take and take and take, like you might get there for a second, but you'll crash and burn. Mm-hmm. But if you build a foundation on the service mentality and serving, and if you give, 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 and you don't see anything in return for five, six, seven, eight years, it will come back to you eventually. It's just, yeah. do you have the patience? It's, Everything I say is a preparation for an opportunity to come, but how are you going to prepare it? Yeah. Are you going to prepare by taking or are you going to prepare by giving? That's the, that's another hard thing for me, and I still struggle with it, is that, oh, that, that sure. sense of immediate gratification. Yeah. Um, you know, we're so set up for it. <laughs> Getting back to that, like the modern day, it just it's hard to not want things now, you know? and like, So hard. That's one of the me- messages, at least when it goes to like your physique and training and things like that and dieting. I was like, it took me 20 years to understand like patience is like one of the biggest factors, you know, because it's, you're not that, that magazine that tells you there's a 30 day get ripped plan. Like they're lying, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's really like a 30 week. If you're lucky, it's a 30 week plan, you know, like yeah. um, hey, when you're dealing with NBA players, so many of them, probably all of them to a certain extent, but more, more so, you know, there's a select group of them who are so f- physically gifted. They're, they came out of the womb so overwhelmingly gifted. It's got to be harder to get those guys to listen to improve how to improve their performance because yeah. their performance is so high naturally. You know, like it, someone who really needs that edge, I could see them being a lot more receptive to advice. Whereas if you're someone who's just been so fucking dominant without even really lifting yeah. a finger, yeah, 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 yeah. How, how do you get through to someone like that? You know, that's a great question. And, Actually, at the highest level, the best of the best, they realize that they need coaching because they're so they're so gifted and they know how good they are. They want to continue to keep getting better. Like they have that in them, and and they the best want to be coached. But still, in that same breath, there are a lot of people, a lot of NBA players that are just there on their talent alone. Right. And how do you get through to them? And how do you help them improve? Some. You can't. Some, if, if you don't want it, if you don't want to improve, if you don't want to do something, get better, you're beating down the, uh, a door that's not going to open. But the people that do, I, I've been able to do that through like literally pouring everything I have, every ounce of myself into them so they can trust me fully. Before I tell them any adjustment to make, I'll never come on the floor and be like, hey, man, uh, yeah, change your shot. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm making millions. What are you doing? He'd say to me. So I build the absolute trust into them first. I get to know the personality that they have. Everybody has a different way of learning, different personality. I use what's called the Enneagram test, a real in-depth ready test is what it is, to figure out how they learn the best, what type of person they are, so I know them. Like, I literally know them inside and out. And then I'll, just, I'll basically have it as a blueprint where I'm going to set up of how they're going to improve. So they're seeing it. They're seeing that there is an end spot of where their improvement's going to be. They're seeing what goal that's going to reach them to. I'll go through their goals with them. So it's basically like we are on the same team. Like now I'm an extension of this player. I'm going to help them achieve their goals. And now they're motivated to go through it because they know that there's a way. Then, they have a tangible goal. Tangible they have to, they have something, goal. Something, yes. you know, kind of cemented, rigid. So important to have tangible yeah. goals and so important to have a a blueprint or a, a module of how you're going to get there step-by-step process. Right. So then then that's when that's when I tell them the adjustments to make or work with them. And they've seen how much I've given to them. They've seen how much I've studied them. They see how much I know them. We've become 
friends in a relationship. I think it's the genuine relationships are so, so important to this and to anything in life, obviously. Now they can trust me. Now I can put in that change. Then they see the success of it, and then it keeps building and compounding. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's amazing kind of insight, you know, and, and getting back to what you were talking about, like being a being a positive narrator to our own story. Though, yeah. You know, like yeah. it's, it's got to be important because I, I would imagine all this shit, all this shit you're telling an NBA player, it's going to fall flat if you're not talking yourself up. You know, if you <laughs> yeah. have this negative yeah. self image, yeah. you're going to walk into the gym and that's going to you, they're, you, they're going to smell it on you a mile away. No doubt. You yeah. know, you have to absolutely know who you are, you have to be comfortable in yourself and you have to be comfortable with failing. You have to go into a situation of like, this might not work like that. I might get just kicked out of this gym. And it's happened to me many, many times where mm-hmm. I thought I knew what I was doing. I actually went up and did some workouts with the Golden State Warriors with some players up there and and thought I was doing a great job. And I just kept going and kept going because I was making it about me. And the player ended up kicking the ball into the stands and walking out on me and making this huge scene in front of all the coaches, like super embarrassing type of thing. But it's like you got to understand those times are going to happen. Yeah, It's going to happen, but that's how you learn. That's the only way that you will – I mean, I think failure is the biggest learning tool that we can have. It's it's a gift. It really is. It, you know, yeah. I, I've, uh, Jocko Wilnick talks about that. Yeah. You know, it's like in battle when something comes my way that's terrible, I don't panic. I say, I say thank you, thank you. This is my this is my gift yeah. to get better to change. And, you know, Conor McGregor. After I'll, I'll never forget. You know, like you can say what you want about Conor McGregor, and he's certainly done a lot of outside of the ring antics that could you could you know look at him negatively. But after his first loss to Nate Diaz, I, I I really admired him after that because he, after all the shit he talked, immediately after that he said, yeah. uh, the better man won tonight, um, but I do two things. I either win or I learn, and I'm going to come back and I'm going to be a better fighter. And I was like, fuck. That's so That's good. an incredibly profound thing to say. I either win or I learn. And that's, yeah. you know, you can't look at it as like – it's easy to get frustrated, but you can't get discouraged. You yeah, know, that's a good like, point. Yeah, because most people will give up if they don't see the success. Like Kobe Bryant, for example, he's, his first year, he airballed shots in the playoffs and just had horrible playoffs. Oh, believe me, I remember. Yeah, I was yeah. sitting there at the forum before the Staples Center was even a thing, <laughs> you going, "You fucker! And, you fuck! And, you know how much my season tickets cost?" <laughs> and everybody was doing that. Yeah. But he looked at that situation and he was like, "Yes." Thank you for this happening. Like he embraced that happening when most people would just shy away. Yeah, and well, Kobe's another good example of someone who had insane God-given talent, but also a, a immeasurable work ethic. Yeah. You know, that's it's very special. And if you look at the the greats, the greatest of the great, you know, LeBron is another great example. Yeah. And I only have some bit of insight with them because of working in LA media. I I get chummy with you know the Lakers broadcasters and sports teams and stuff, and they're like, oh, it's nice. not, it's not. It's not hype. Kobe's work ethic was second to none. He was always the first guy there. He was always the last. He held all the other players accountable for not working hard. He was a fucking beast. And it's like, that's really impressive considering he probably could have been a 10-time All-Star even if he didn't work very hard. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, he probably could have. Exactly. But it's it's his obsession with his passion is just so admirable. Yeah. And the best of the best, they get like that. They are on a mission. Yeah. Like I like to look at what I have as encouraging other people and helping them grow in their confidence as a mission that I'm on. It's not my job to go speak. It's not my job. It's not my career. It's a mission. Like I've been gifted with this ability, so I have to use it. It's a mission that I'm on. And these guys, Kobe, obviously was on a super mission. Guys and well guys and gals, I shouldn't say guys, but but people. 
who get obsessive, yeah. who get passionate to yeah. the point that it's their mission, their yeah. crusade. Many times their personal life suffers. Yeah. I, I At least I don't know many women because I haven't read a lot of like biographies about like super successful women, but I have a ton of biographies about like rock stars and, and uh, athletes, you know, that are the best of the best. Pretty much nine times out of 10, they're terrible husbands, <laughs> horrible fathers. You know, I can go down the list of, I don't want to name names, but we all know that I'm telling the truth that yeah, sure. these tycoons in business, these amazing celebrities that, that dominate uh, any facet of uh, the entertainment world, athletes in particular, obviously they, with this drive, everything else, they get this tunnel vision where their children and their wife and their everything kind of falls by the wayside. How do you manage that? Not only with people you train, but also yeah. like in your personal life, because I'm, I know how much your work means to you, yeah. but I also know how much your wife means to you, <laughs> yeah. you know? So like, sure. it, do you, are you cognizant of that, that you don't go home and become this aloof guy who's just obsessed about his job? Yeah. That's the hardest thing, man. The hardest thing is to shut it off. Doing something you love, like that's the gift and the curse because it's whatever you grow it to be. But I guess it's like, for me, it's, it's, I put where my most important thing is, is my most important thing to be at the end of the day is how I'm viewed and, and what I'm doing, my success and what I'm doing, or is it loving my wife and having an amazing relationship with my wife and, and loving God and putting that first in my life? Like, is that what I want? Or do I want all these fame of the world and everything? And who knows? Maybe it comes. Who knows? It's not what anything I'm trying to build on or anything like that. But it's it's what do you put your soul importance into? Like, where yeah. do you want at the end of the day to be like, man, I crushed it today in the, in the business field. I dominated it. Or I love my wife. We have an amazing relationship, amazing relationship with if you have kids that it's it is about balance but man it gets hard but i will say yeah, this it's hard i i certainly don't have it all figured out i like to remind people that i'm not trying to get on my high horse but i i do have enough experience of like working next to dr drew for 20 you know yeah. close to eight years on love line and then another 10 years just in random radio stuff he had this weird experience where he worked for a long time at this uh mental institution where he was dealing particularly with dementia and so he was dealing with a lot of guys and gals who were at the end of their life and they were fucked up. Their wow. brain was gone. <laughs> their brain was mush. And every single one of them, every single one of them, 100% of them were super high performers. Okay. They were generals. They were um, military pilots and uh, they were um, surgeons and surgeon generals and defense attorneys, all these people who were super high functioning, super uh, accomplished. Not one of them gave a shit about anything else in their life except for the relationships that they had or didn't make. Mm. You know, they were just either longing for the relationships oh, yeah. that they didn't build or were reminiscing on the relationships that they did. None of either the cars you drove, the, 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 the checks you got, none of it mattered to any yeah. of them. Yeah. It just didn't matter. Yeah. And it's so but, – but it's so hard to tell someone that when they're 35 because <laughs> you're like, but I really want to be successful. It's so hard. It's so hard. I mean think what does Steve Jobs say He's on his deathbed. It was 
the, I mean, the relationship, like he felt horrible about his life. It wasn't about the money that he made because we can't take any of that money with us, any of that success, any of that fame with us. And that's why I try to tell people, and it's it's hard for myself too. I mean, we, we both of us want to be the best at what we do, and it's it's hard to find that I don't balance. know if I do. I'm not that guy. I, I, oh, that's I, I, great. I thought about that. I, I really oh. don't know. Like I don't. That's perfect. I don't, I don't look at, like, I don't want to be like the next Joe Rogan. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, yeah, I would, I, yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. Right. But, but realistically, not, right. I don't sit at home and go like, what can I do? To, I got to have a million yeah. downloads. <laughs> I just think like, like, I almost, I almost wish I did have a little bit more of that. Like my, my, yeah. my good close friend, Jason Ellis, who has yeah. the Jason Ellis show on Sirius XM, really talented broadcaster. He's fucking consumed with like what can I do on the show to get more people to listen and how can I build a show and this and I'm like man I admire that but I never I never had that I'm always yeah. I'm a little too easygoing no but that's a great thing that makes you who you are that makes you so comfortable for other people to be around maybe and, and able it, to be relate to maybe and it, it like when you sat down and you said hey when I when I'm around you you have such a positive uh, vibe and people like being around you that to me is like the best compliment ever yeah I wonder if I can hold on to that but turn up the volume a little on my, you know, because I yeah. th- there's certain things you got to do to be to be a big timer nowadays, and I and I I'm not sure I'm doing all of it. You yeah, know, you know what? Uh, it's, it's an interesting point too, because a lot of people don't look at it that way or think of it that way, and I like to try to tell people that the the legacy, like we have recorded history events like Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, and those are great. Those are great acts of service and legacy, but. We leave our own legacy by the people that we serve. And it's tough to tell somebody that, like, hey, if you serve one person, that's a legacy. Yeah. But it truly, absolutely is. Especially if it's, your like, your kids. Yeah, of course. You know, like, it yeah. doesn't matter, like, how many records you sell or how many uh, how many uh, movie tickets you your, your movie sold or anything, the box office. If your kids don't like you, like, that's <laughs> – what who wants idea. that legacy, no. you know? Like, but what you just did, too, might have changed somebody's life just hearing that. Where someone's thinking they're, oh, I gotta have these Instagram followers, I gotta have these downloads, but I can't get it. And you said, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's not about that. Yeah. Like what you just did, that that's legacy. That yeah. can change someone's life right it, there. It, it is. And and I, I agree. And I like I definitely think my priorities are there. I'm just wondering, like yeah. having a hundred thousand more Instagram followers and having a hundred thousand more people download this podcast would make my wife and daughter's life better. (laughs) So it's like, I I am in a way, like I have my priorities are okay. I'm not worried about that. I'm just thinking like, if I could have a little bit more killer instinct, maybe we'd all benefit a little (laughs) bit more. Maybe that legacy would be a little stronger. (laughs) See, that's a way to look at it too. But even if you did, would you be any different person? No, no. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'd still be the same guy. I'd still be the same guy at the the core of it. How have you how have you kind of transitioned into becoming you're recently a married man? Yeah. And, um, you know, that changes things. A lot of times people don't realize. And I'm not one of these guys. that's like if you're together with someone, you should get married. Walk down the aisle. (laughs) I don't really know what the difference is. I don't care. You could be date for fucking 20 years and not get married (laughs) for all I care. I don't care. I don't give a shit. But there is something different when you can call a woman your wife and when you can call her no your doubt. girlfriend. Like there's no something doubt. weird happens. And how has that affected you? Like because at least for me, it made it a little bit harder to work the late nights and to yeah. do that little extras because I was like, oh, the probably, same. probably get home. Yeah, the same thing, man. I would travel all over the world, all over the country, seeing the players that I'm working with, just trying to like literally put everything I could into growing <laughs> 
going myself, my business, and having dinner meetings every single night. But it's just, it's it's changed. I can't do that, and nor do I want to do that. Like my want, to be honest, is every night be on the couch with my wife, having a good dinner, watching a great show, having great conversation with her. Like that's that's what's now is my thing. Getting a good night's sleep. Yeah. So it, it definitely does change, and when you live. When you live for somebody else, when you put somebody else's needs in front of yours, it's it's the most beautiful thing. It and is. You, and you you know they're doing the same thing for you, and it's just like this person you want to be around 24-7, and you just get great energy from them too. Like, forget the rest of the stuff. If I don't travel that much, who cares? Like, it gets way worse when you have kids. Dude. <laughs> it's way worse. <laughs> why you, you think it's – it's a strange sacrifice to put yeah, someone else's, uh, someone, you know, and I, I know you do that with your wife. I yeah, do yeah. the same thing. Yeah. I put her needs ahead of mine. It gets a million. <laughs> My daughter, let me, this is how I'll, uh, I will uh, describe it. I don't know if I could put it into words, but I can give you an example. I will commonly have my daughter's shit all over my hands. Not even think twice about it. She makes an accident. It's like I just dig in and I like with a baby wipe and it's all over my fucking knuckles and everything. And I, and I don't even think twice. My wife, I don't even like to acknowledge that she can shit. I don't even like to know that she does that. But my daughter, I'll just fucking play with it. And I'm like, oh, well, honey, we got to clean you up. And you just it gets so much worse. You just live for this person and you don't even. It's a that's it's an amazing thing to have that though. It is. That's why we're gonna adopt a twenty five year old so we pass all that. I do trust me. Yeah, like a Brazilian supermodel. <laughs> yeah. that's, I've always said that. Oh, that's my wife because we were talking about adoption and we're very serious about it. Yeah. But we've got into the research of it. It's actually not that easy. No. Even if you're no, uh, definitely a, not a a, a well to do family with like a, a kid of your own. Like it's not easy. You got to really put in the work to to adopt a child. And I was asking if we could use like the Victoria's Secret catalog as like a <laughs> as like a menu for some of the young ladies we could possibly adopt. But my wife didn't find that very interesting. Yeah, or go the other route and try to find an athlete. Like, yeah, no, I don't. Or try to find a seven footer. Or seven something. Yeah, seven footer who jumps out of the gym. What was yeah. that movie that that Blind Side? They found yep. the kid. There you go. Um, what I I've talked to so many uh, musicians, entertainers, athletes, and everything, and they all say, "Man, my job is hard." Writing the book was the hardest thing for me to do. Did you find that to be the case too? Because writing books for some yeah. people just is—it's just really difficult. You, you know what? That wasn't the hardest part wow. that I found. I actually enjoyed that process. I would make it like a workout. I would just—I'd put an hour a day towards writing, and whatever happened, whether there's two pages or there's two words, I was content with that. And mm-hmm. I enjoyed putting all these stories that I had built up inside me and and putting them out on paper. Like that part, I loved. The part that I have not loved is the editing process, going back, reading it again, going with the publishers and doing it again, going again and again. And, yeah. oh, it's, it's almost ready to come out, but again and again. Like that part has been very, very tough. But then I think about it and it's like, okay, is another few months worth having something out there for the rest of my life? Like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And also I, I would, looking at it as – the, the writing itself, looking at it as a workout, great advice. That's, yeah. that's a great advice. Yeah. The, the process of – the editing and having the publishers get involved because it's very similar to um, uh, I've developed TV shows and I'm in the process of developing another one. Awesome. And um, you have like the creative aspect of it is amazing. That's just so fun. You're yeah. writing and the developing yeah. characters, all that. having to deal with the production company and getting the production <laughs> company to sign off with the network and everybody could collectively agreeing on that is the biggest pain in the ass. But then I thought to myself, okay, 
if I'm going to look at the creative aspect of it as a workout, why wouldn't I look at this as practice mm-hmm. for the big game? That's like, good. no, you would never, I would never be on like a football team and think to myself, like, I love playing football games, but fuck my coach. He just makes us run the same plays over and over again. I know this play. It doesn't matter that this fucker over there doesn't understand the play and he has to read. You just understand it. It's a collective part of the process. Everybody's got to get on board. And eventually the lights will turn on on Friday night and you'll have your game. You just look at it that way because it's It's mind-numbingly fucking annoying when you have a baby of yours where other people have input. But then you got to think about it's like, I've been doing that my whole life as an athlete. Yeah. The game is my baby, but the coach and the assistant coach and the fucking linebacker coach and the tailback, you know what I'm saying? We yeah. They all agree to have a part of your baby, and you just kind of like wrote that off. But this one, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to get all pissy about it. No, it's like, no. I got my coaches. I got my, you know, I got my parents in the stands. Everyone's involved. Eventually, the game will come, and it's all mine again. Man, that's, all a, mine. that's a beautiful outlook. So that's a be- that's a great analogy. I need to look at that for this book process too, for sure. And then that's that's true. Like, and the timing's going to end up somehow. It always ends up being better than the timing that we had planned. Yeah, it it just always ends up happening that way. And then we're like, why did we get all stirred up for nothing? Well, however you think it's going to turn out, it's not. No, that's no, the you know like, that's not. one thing I've learned just through trial and error is like it, it it doesn't like the vision boards and that kind of stuff. I understand on paper it's like really positive and sweet. Yeah. But trust me, however you think your life is going to turn out, it isn't. So just yeah, I relax. Get, I get a kick out you of know? vision boards or this is going to let's have these strategy sessions and stuff. Just do. Yeah, you're never going to have the situations and circumstances exactly right to be able to go attack your dream. Just do it. Just you do. Know? It. Yeah. Just go. Um, where can listeners find more out about you? And uh, if they want some David Nurse information, where should they go? Uh, I live in – no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Website is – Social da- security number, please. <laughs> Website is davidnurse.com. Instagram's davidnurse5. That's where I do most of my stuff. Uh, podcast, like mentioned, is going to be the Pivot and Go podcast. Right now the 1% podcast. In Facebook, Twitter, same David Nurse. That's – the main spot. So yeah. unless, unless you come out to LA, and then yeah. Amazon right now, people, Amazon, everyone, yep. everyone, no matter what you're doing, unless you're driving a car or holding a baby, go to <laughs> Amazon. Pivot and go available for presale as we speak, um, dude. You know, I, I love you, man. I I'm so you. happy that you and I developed a relationship. But I'm so glad also that we had this conversation, and you know, to be able to kind of flesh out how you get to certain places and how you, you just, you know, you weather the storm, you man. Know? As cool as this might have been for you, it's cooler for me. I'm learning more about you. And you're over there just downplaying yourself. I have a TV show. Like, dude, you are the man. I am I am far from the man, but I will say this. I have a I'm a guy who spent many, many years really, really, really ashamed and really angry, uh, and and really not wanting to look at myself in the mirror. And I've gotten to a point where it's like, you know, it's pretty good. You know, yeah. I'm pretty happy to be me. Yeah. And uh and that feels good, you know, to say to even be able to say that. Look at this. The ultimate yeah. example of pivot and go. <laughs> there he is. Thank you, dude. You're the best. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.